Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. I admit it, I am a sensitive person. And it really served me well, not only as an adult with the work I'm doing or as a physician, but when I was a child, I was able to feel what was going on around me, whether my father was about to get in a bad mood, whether my mom was about to get depressed, and I could help them because, you know, keeping the peace was what I was supposed to do. That's why my parents gave me the name, Friedemann, which means man of peace. I'm not saying this was a child-appropriate job description, but I just accepted it. And sensitivity was a power that I felt was really useful at that time, and it still is. But if you have been feeling sensitive, and if you were told, oh, you are way too emotional, you're feeling way too much, you probably have felt at times like you were flawed or weak or you were not really fitting in to our world that seems to be more about being cool and confident. But sensitivity is not a flaw. And even if you felt sometimes you didn't want to go out because you picked up on everybody's energy and it was just too overwhelming, there is an intelligence in sensitivity. There are gifts inside of you that you may have not been able yet to completely harness. And this is where my guest on Get Real Today, health coach Courtney Marchesani, and her book, Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive, is really, really helping to understand more what are really the resources inside of sensitive people that not only can help us to navigate better through life, but are really important for the world. And as it is right now with all the challenges we are globally facing. So I'm really excited to bring Courtney onto the show. Well, Courtney, so nice to see you with your snowy background. I'm really actually a little jealous because we have no snow whatsoever. But uh, thank you for taking the time to being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. And you know, I, I do podcasts periodically, but when I was um, connected with my clinic at work, you know, remotely, and I would come in on meetings, I was known for the background because it's, you know, <laughs> it's a wall of wood. So everybody's like, oh, there's Courtney with her background, with her wooded background. <laughs> Everyone was jealous, I can imagine. They were. <laughs> yeah, it's real. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. Now, you have written a really fantastic book about sensitivity. I mm -hmm. loved all the aspects of it, especially because you have looked at sensitivity from all different angles. And you included in your book also the spiritual angle, which I think is rare when it comes to sensitivity. Too often it's seen more as a clinical problem than really actually a gift. And so your book is about the four gifts. But how do you get interested in sensitivity? Are you sensitive yourself or what made you go into that topic? I did not know that I was sensitive. 
I came about, I came about it through an evolution, I would say over time through self exploration and through self cultivation, doing a lot of personal work and continuing to try to dig down into the different aspects of the giftedness. I didn't realize that I was a gifted sensitive. And so eventually through personal work, I figured it out. I, and the irony is that I had read Dr. Elaine Aaron's book about sensitivity and the highly sensitive person when I was in um, getting my undergraduate degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. But at, even still reading her book, I didn't recognize myself. So it took time. Um, but the thing that attracted me to it and the reason why I got into understanding it um, and, and labeling it eventually sensitivity was because of the gifts precognitions, intuition, these things that I saw in my awareness that were not what would be considered normal. That's Mm. what first led me to start researching and investigating the gifted aspect of sensitivity. Now, I find this interesting that you didn't know that you were sensitive, because I think most people that are sensitive actually struggle with it. I mean, they say, oh, I just feel too much, or my parents always told me, why do you always cry? Or they feeling comfortable in certain situations. Why do you think people struggle so much with their sensitivity? I think that what you just mentioned is a very important part of it is feeling uncomfortable. I think the feeling of discomfort and disquiet and overthinking and a lot of those classic um, clinical symptoms really that can be very um, uncomfortable is what really plagues people with sensitivity is they have those inner feelings and they don't necessarily match their environment, you know, where the environment would seem otherwise pretty normal or even positive sensitive people, that internal feeling that they have is what they're known for. And so that's a hard thing to describe, you know, and when you become aware, self-aware of the sensitivity, it's totally an internal job figuring that out and why do i feel this way and how can i how can i um lessen right lessen that feeling of intensity of you know uncomfort or discomfort but that's what sensitive people are known for and i think that's why they seek out help and solutions is because it's an internal feeling and they do see it more as a liability i mean very often sensitivity is seen as i'm not normal i'm not like everybody else now do you believe i mean I see myself as very sensitive, but I'm not really sure if I was born sensitive or if I became sensitive because I was the designated marriage saver and peacemaker in the house. So I definitely had to have this kind of uh, awareness of everyone's feelings and what's going on and is there some thick air around or not and jumping in and, you know, somehow keeping it all together. Since I was six years old, that was my job. But was it something that you feel like uh, people develop over time? Or do you feel like this is something that is just naturally something you're born with, and then you fall into certain traits that, you know, sensitive people have, like being the peacemaker or the pleaser? I think that it is very complex. And so I think that we're born with it. It's definitely an evolutionary, like genetic inheritance that we receive from one of our parents or from a grandparent. It can go down through the genetic line 
And, you know, it can skip a generation and then the child will be more sensitive or the parent might not be. So the parent might not recognize um, their sensitive child. But there's also the other piece where it is developed. And so that's the part with the book that I talk about is the development. Why are some people much more extreme on the sensitivity spectrum and why that develops is it's still a bit of a mystery but science is really starting to dig down into it more my personal opinion after researching everything that i have and what i propose in the book is that some people who are really far out i call them hypersensitive and hypersensitivity is starting to get some traction in the research to prove that it's a real phenomenon um, but the, the hypersensitive person really does, um, they're just picking up on everything in the environment. And it's almost like a tornado in the personal, interpersonal experience inside. And so the, the hope is to try to pull back on that hypersensitivity so those individuals feel like they can maintain a balance. Why is that? Why are they so hypersensitive? I think it evolves out of trauma. I think it's early traumatic experiences that might be, um, you know, not really identified early, especially if it's a complex familial dynamic. And so you do see these certain types of hypersensitive awareness that are cueing the sensitive into the fact that they might be in one of those similar situations, or it reminds them of a situation that was maybe an adverse experience. And so they're, they're sensorily trying to push that experience back, but the mm -hmm. sensitivity is really the linchpin that helps them be aware. So it's kind of a barometer. It's a barometer. Sensitivity could be seen in that way as a barometer for dangerous or experiences that are unpleasant. Absolutely. Yes. And I find also that it's very much used often as a self-defense. So this, yeah. you know, keeping track and everything is certainly coming from I'm not safe. And that is where a lot of my clients come from, feeling mm -hmm. overwhelmed and feeling highly sensitive based on trauma, based on having to, yeah, just protect themselves. And it's often a turnaround when they are using their sensitivity for themselves, meaning like they're actually turning this radar system inwards. And, uh, and I'm wondering if you also uh, find that, that when we are highly sensitive, often we are more disconnected from ourselves because we are more focused on the outside and we have to learn to actually feel ourselves, our own needs, our own voice, and what you describe in your book, also our own gifts. And I think that I think that that is such a, a good good question that you point out because a lot of times we could become very anxious, sensitive to people become very anxious. And the reason behind that is important to understand is if we're perceiving more with our senses, if you consider it kind of like an extended sensory awareness of picking up the sounds, the light, the feelings of others, right? Um, that extended sensory awareness, sometimes when it triggers that feeling of vulnerability inside the sensitive is false. It's not a true, it's not a true warning system. It, it's actually in the sensitive kicking off feelings of memory or affective memory or traumatic memories that put the sensitive in a feeling of like you're talking about defense, but the defense is a, it's an illusion. And so that really turns the eye into um, an inner awareness of why am I feeling 
vulnerable? Why am I feeling, um, you know, tearful or angry or sensitive? Those feelings that we're known for. And so that becomes the sensitive's inner work. And that typically stems to, well, what was it? Why is that being triggered? Which you're probably so familiar with is the memories that get triggered are not necessarily representative of what's happening in the environment. So the sensitive person really has to learn, well, what am I afraid of? Why is anxiety so prominent? And then once you start to identify, well, why is that anxiety there? What's the fear behind it? You know, irrational, most likely. Then that leads to the sensitive's work on what whatever happened, they have to dive into it for wholeness and holistic awareness for psychological wholeness, because experiencing that pain all the time is it's a nightmare you know, the pain and the suffering and the anxiety in that cycle, but you can break through it once you become aware of, well, why am I so sensitive? So it's really digging down into those early life experiences that we might not be conscious of, and then finding out, well, why was I needing to be the pleaser? Why was I needing to be the healer? Why was I needing to be in these roles? And so often those roles come about because of those, those early life dynamics. And what you just said about the unconscious, I think a lot of our sensitivity comes from the unconscious. It's certainly not a conscious process, it's something yeah. highly developed early. But I do find that, uh, you know, this going inwards is not only about, you know, where does it come from? Where is a trauma or what's the belief behind it? But also, who am I? Because I think highly sensitive people are often very confused about who they are, what role they have in life, what's their worth, all of those things. And, and I find that sensitivity is such a gift to navigate yourself or come to yourself, which people that are not that sensitive don't really have that much this security, this awareness of, oh, wow, this is what I feel. This is also the spiritual connection I find with highly sensitive people often much more readily available than with people that don't feel that kind of sensitivity. But what, what's your uh, experience with that? I think sensitivity is so healing. I think it's a healing mechanism. I think that it, it, it because of that double-edged sword or that pain point, it helps us to be able to do our healing, to find the right people, to find the right partners. The giftedness of it is so um, magnificent that it's so often overlooked. Why do you have individuals who are highly intelligent, highly sensitive, using that barometer in their environment to get answers quickly, to solve problems? You know, you're touching on like the spiritual empath or the intuitive uh, empath who can go into those divine spaces and really divine meaning you know, meaning, spiritual meaning about a purpose or even um, understanding with the spiritual empathy what's going on in a situation to become like counselors or ministers or coaches. Um, so I do believe that sensitivity is all part of that, but it's often overlooked and it's labeled other things. Oh, she's very intuitive or she's very creative, but sensitivity is really encompassing all of that whole phenomenon. And so I think it's a magnificent gift. And that's the point I try to advocate with my book is like embrace the positive aspects of the sensitivity, not, um, you know, lingering or perseverating on all the negative aspects. Because once you start to move into the bliss states, especially for the empaths that I write about, they find they have meaning through their sensitivity. And then it provides awareness, a higher level of awareness about the meaning of life. 
and the, their purpose and sometimes soul connections with others. So I do believe that it is a lot of times a divine sensitivity that can help those individuals perceive on a deeper level, which is really purpose, soul level purpose. And then, then life kind of transforms and shifts. So you're using that mode more often and you're in the pain point a lot less living your life. I think there are two problems with uh, our society and sensitive people is that our society has very little room, apparently, for even emotions. And so we are just so much more willing to suppress them, out medicate them, ignore them, hide them, than really see them as also the, the gift or the inner navigator that can help us move forward. But at the same time, as I understand your book, you're feeling like the the highly sensitive, which are often also the ones that are more aware of the emotions, are kind of the ones that you believe can be the healer of this of this world right now. That they are more. So, do you feel like there is a greater number of sensitive people born? Do you feel it's an increased number? Maybe because you know our Earth needs more sensitive people, and how can we educate society to actually embrace it? and not just seeing it as a disorder or something that doesn't fit in into our fast paced world. I do think more I do think more sensitive people be are being born. The children being born now, I do feel are um, more sensitive. I don't have any proof for that. I mean, technically, the scientific studies say it's one in four or one in five that we're 20% of the population up to 25% of the population. But I do think we're seeing an evolution because sensitivity has been identified as an evolutionary trait. So it's a genetic trait. One of the things that the evolutionary psychologists have have identified sensitivity as essentially like a warning system. Sensitive mm -hmm. people are like an early warning system for our culture, our tribes, to be able to detect, to discern and detect with that extended sensory awareness harm. And so I do feel because we're in like a technologically advanced society so much now, you know, more than we ever have been, that sensitive people are are going to be coming about more to try to reconcile that balance and bring people back to more nature wholeness we are part of nature we are connected to nature and so the reason why sensitive people are so good in those roles as healers doctors uh, thought leaders um, individuals who are trying to shape the front of that curve of the evolution it's because they've been through it mm -hmm. they've been through they've been through the healing they've been through the you know the the scars of going through a lot of that um a lot of that trauma and so when they come out healed and whole or even when they're still working on their healing they provide good leadership so i do believe and i do advocate in the book that sensitives can be those leaders we need to be you know, we need to step up. And if we've done our work, we need to be those leaders because it makes us more responsible. And we can see all sides of the issue when we've done that healing work, deep healing work internally. We're not uh, wounded people out there trying to lead efforts that might be misaligned with what we really need as a culture evolutionarily. So I do, I do take that perspective that I believe more sensitives are being born. And the reason why is so that we can find wholeness as our culture in a global society. I think it's a beautiful perspective and I completely concur with it. And I feel it takes sensitive people to have the confidence to speak up 
and to see themselves as leaders, which means they have to also become empowered and not see themselves as outliers or people that are struggling more. Now, one thing that I wonder is if a lot of sensitive people are showing up uh, not with their emotional sensitivity, but much more or with the energetic sensitivity, with the physical sensitivity, because I notice there are so many people that are struggling with chemical sensitivity and allergies. And do you find that this is kind of suppressed form of sensitivity that just shows up physically? There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that it's a physical phenomenon. I have so many uh, uh, patients and clients who I've had who have allergies and who have uh, physical sensitivities, and they might not necessarily be aware of the emotional or mental aspects or how things are connected. So a lot of my own education and teaching is to teach people about sensitive states and what happens physically through inflammation, uh, particularly gut inflammation and how to um, how to heal. And so I do think it's all connected. I definitely believe that there's more physical sensitivities, things like toxins, you know, chemicals, our environments being polluted and individuals becoming aware of their sensitivity purely through that way. So that could also mean like autoimmune diseases is a form of fighting your own sensitivity. Literally I deal, I deal with predominantly people who have autoimmune diseases or, or, or their situation medically is very complex. Mm -hmm. So it requires um, a very close eye and discernment about what's happening because they've been through the medical system or they're still in a medical like intervention with their doctor or their provider and they it's too much, you know, it's too much for their doctor to, you know, or the clinic to handle. So they need ancillary support through wellness coaching or through a wellness um, support to help them deal with it because autoimmune, um, autoimmune disorders are so tricky. And so, yes, I deal with a lot of people who have um, arthritis and who have, uh, you know, MS. I also have in a lot of my clients who have neurological issues as well things like seizures mm. or anomalous experiences that are related to sensitivity that medical science just doesn't understand yet. So I do have a lot of individuals who have complex issues going on and they need support for them. So let's say, you know, some of the listeners is aware of, wow, you know, I have a sensitivity or I have an immune, uh, autoimmune disease, but I don't know if I'm sensitive or not is what would you say is a good way for them to find out? I think you offer a quiz, for example, to figure out what I kind do. of sensitivity you have. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the quiz was developed out of the giftedness. So the giftedness part of this is what I felt like was the missing link. And all the studies that I did around sensitivity, there are a lot of studies around the psychological aspects, kind of what you have mentioned, like the emotional uh, vulnerability. And that has been well studied and well regarded by the medical community. But the other aspect was not, which was the anomalous experiences or being kind of far out on that hypersensitivity scale. So the test was designed to be able to um, basically classify or quantify the giftedness of sensitivity. So the umbrella is sensitivity and within sensitivity, there's different levels of it. So the quiz is really designed to help individuals find out their gift of sensitivity. 
and that's mental and emotional and experiences that go along with it, some physical questions um, to identify physical things that might be related. So that's just comes from my experience within that field and pulling together something that I felt was missing. So it's evolving, I'm constantly evolving it and looking at the overlap of um, different types of giftedness and sensitivity and how I can make it better. But yeah, the test is a, a 40 item test and I encourage people, if you're curious, whether you have one of the sensitivity gifts like intuition, empathy, vision, or expression to do the test. And then you get an email that explains the giftedness in a, in a short form email from me. So where can you find that test? That's on my website, Inspired Potentials. And it just says, you know, find your gift or learn your gift. And so I get a lot of inquiries, you know, yeah. and people that have not been aware uh, of their own giftedness. And so then they're like very uh, excited, you know, oh my gosh, I'm an empath. I, I've been told this, but I didn't know what it means. And so I explain, you know, and go into more detail because it can be quite overwhelming, especially for sensitive people, you know, receiving too much information. So I try to break it down to absorb a little bit of time. And as people want to take the dive into each gift or what it means, they can always get a hold of me if they have more questions. But I, I aim like not to overwhelm people with too much information. Now, if you don't know if you're sensitive and you would do this test, could you find out if you're actually sensitive? Yes, you can. You can find out if you're actually sensitive because it's the through the experience that we were discussing, that inner feeling mm -hmm. of intensity that allows you to to observe your actual reactions to your environment and that'll tell you if you're sensitive or not, or, or not and i always tell people a good guide is to go out and just detach and observe your thoughts and your feelings as you go out into society and you'll you'll learn if you're sensitive because that's how it happens as we we interact with others it's the the feeling that we feel inside of us that tells us whether we're sensitive or not and that that sounds maybe difficult to gauge but it's actually not very difficult when you start to dig into sensitivity and how the reactions work it becomes pretty clear if you are or not do you have a feeling that i mean i can imagine that there are lots of people that feel very sensitive and feel burdened by it and they cannot even imagine that they have a gift and what if they do this test and they figure out they don't have a gift? Are sometimes, all, yeah, does that uh, happen? Sometimes it happens where people score very low. And, you know, I just um, respond that, you know, you're not highly sensitive and you don't fall into this spectrum, but you tested positive for this or this. And so I do break it down um, based off of like a magnitude. If it's just a positive response, they're on the lower end you know, of the sensitivity. I do find what you said uh, starting um, to identify whether people are on the lower or the high spectrum. One of the things that you pointed out is very good to be have clarity on. For individuals who, who really do fall into like um, OCD, anxiety, yes. maybe more autism-like spectrum uh, disorders, there are overlaps there are clear overlaps with those other 
uh, forms of sensitivity. And so one of the things that I try to do is tell people if you're often overthinking or you feel like you have an inner critic all the time and it's unrelenting and, you know, sensitivity is part of that. I try to guide people into understanding, well, this might be more OCD related or this might be, you know, an anxiety disorder because there is overlap into like psychopathological things, you know, but there's also that without being negative or labeling, there's also a buffer there before you go into an actual diagnosis that you can get a handle on things by understanding your sensitivity and doing the work, managing your inner thoughts, being mindful, you know, before you get into things like medication or, you know, or a diagnosis. And so I'm very clear about, okay, this is definitely, you know, medication management. But there's also that other area that I feel with mindfulness and understanding the inner critic or understanding rep repetitive thoughts, that it's up to the individual to be aware of it. Sometimes you can't, you know, manage that by yourself and you need med medication, but I'm very positive and optimistic that a lot of times you can manage it yourself. I agree. And I do believe that often anxiety is just this, this layer that needs to be resolved in order to go to the gift of sensitivity. You know, there is maybe this trauma or these old beliefs that are just, you know, keeping this inner critic or keeping this defense mechanism alive. And so once that is resolved, people often realize, wow, I can actually see sensitivity much more clearly now as my contribution and not just, you know, anything that causes me pain or causes me overwhelm. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I find also, you know, a stepwise process to get to your gift. But let's talk about these four gifts. What are the four gifts of sensitivity? I call them intuition, empathy, vision and expression. I'm sure there are more, but those are the four that I felt confident enough to describe and knew consistently and reliably people would be able to recognize them within their own experience. And so intuition, it, it has been studied extensively. And so I pulled from all of that research to basically make clear, plain language. So sensitive, gifted, sensitive people could identify it. It's knowing and getting answers without knowing how or why, you know, but also the additional feeling of feeling that it's right. You know, it's right. And so intuitives in the book, I go through all the different types of intuitive awareness and how they come through the different sensory experiences, how those answers come unbidden. Then empathy is the second that I go into. And empathy is also really, really now it's become it's become well studied in healthcare settings, in leadership and compassion. And so the difference between empathy that's being studied in those uh, settings and the empathy that I'm talking about in my book is I talk about the extreme of that spectrum, the giftedness of, of empathic awareness. And so the individuals I'm talking about are when you're processing emotions or emotional awareness, it's clinically called emotional resonance to resonate with someone else's feelings. The gifted empath the distinction between the self, their self feeling their feelings, but also other people's feelings and another, that self to other distinction kind of evaporates. And the gifted empath does not necessarily know that they're processing other people's feelings mm. because they're so empathic 
And because this has probably been a lifelong ability, they don't necessarily discern or know consciously that they're picking up on other people's feelings, which is an amazing gift, especially in counseling, <laughs> counseling, right, as doctors, but it becomes an impingement when you're not aware of it. So the book is talking about that specific type of gifted empath empathic awareness. Then the visionary is the ability who has, you know, um, they basically use an outer and an inner mind's eye to solve problems through like almost like a clairvoyant ability to perceive images and not, not only to perceive images, but to solve problems in their work, mm -hmm. in their lives, um, through that visionary ability. And I incorporate all the different visionary types because there's subtle nuances between right. one type of visionary and another. And then the final is the expressive. And I think the expressive is um, the best way to describe the expressive is through their aesthetic awareness or aesthetic sensitivity. They perceive harmony, beauty, the interconnectedness of life, and they synthesize through their through their self and their environment an artistic fusion that comes through them because they they feel a deep connection to the meaning of those experiences of that harmonic sense and then they use a specific language to describe it so it's using art forms language expressive language dance creativity and um, they're a very specific type of gifted uh sensitive so those are the four types and i describe those and i also identify them with the with the test with the quiz you mentioned now i have to ask you what's your gift well, I would, if you asked me 20 years ago, would immediately say that I was an intuitive because most of my experiences came about through intuition. But as I started to evolve and study intuition, I saw this overlap and I would definitely say an empath because I, you know, was a counselor and took on that role and didn't necessarily know what was happening. So I think my go-to giftedness is empath, is mm. empathy but it overlaps in interesting ways with intuition. And I've also had visionary experiences. I'm less of the um, expressive. That's not a natural ability. I had to learn about the expressive. Um, so I would say intuitive empath with visionary, visionary qualities. So you can have two or three different types of, of these um, abilities that converge, mm -hmm. that converge into a unique, I don't know, it's a unique synergy that happens. It's really interesting because all of those gifts somehow make you connect it to your environment, to other people, to the energy. You write in your book about actors, how they tap into the pain of them, of those that they are uh, depicting. But it's really challenging to not lose your sense of self as an empath, for example, where right. you just pick up everything that's going on around you and you don't really know what is me, what is them. And what are you teaching people about not getting lost, especially for empath? Well, I tell people that I kind of had to back engineer <laughs> a lot of this because I didn't know. So it was like having it right, but not knowing how it worked. And so for many, many years, I just had to go through that inner cultivation process and learn the tools. How do I detect when I'm picking up on someone else? How do I filter it out? You know, how do I shut it off? Because um, for many years, I just wanted to just shut it off. I just want to turn this off. And that's 
that doesn't work. <laughs> you have to learn how to be able to flow with with environments, with situations. And so I teach a lot of like one-on-one level grounding, knowing how to ground your energy, all the, all the great teachings that my wonderful teachers taught me, I pass on of how to ground energy, how to use things like yoga, movement therapies, mindfulness, to be able to recognize your own energy and your own self and have your own self-development versus picking up on others. And so that's all included in, and, I, and that's not just for me, anybody who's searching for that, it'll come. That's why I think sensitivity is such an amazing healing aspect of ourselves. Cause when we start to look and we wanna solve that, well, what's me versus what's someone else or what's me versus my husband or what's me versus my child experiencing this? The resources come, it's like synchronistically, the right teachers come, the right book comes, you know, um, you'll, you'll learn this. But I just start with level one grounding. And a lot of times if I know that somebody has a gift for visualization or they're a visionary, I use visual guided imagery, you know, for relaxation if there's anxiety involved. So I just use the tools, you know, the tools that were taught to me. And that's not just me, you can find that anywhere when you start to look. But it is important to be aware of yourself and of your signature energy and really having this this ability to anchor yourself back in, especially when you're feeling empathy. And one of the things that I find people with empathy often are challenged by is that they're labeling other sensations like pain or struggle as bad. And uh, and what often helps, in my opinion, is when we are seeing the pain and the struggles as the opportunity and the gift that these people have to also have their own healing, their own growth, their own journey. And it just the, the stickiness, the attachment to, oh, wow, there is pain. Now I have to get closer because, you know, I'm feeling it and I'm feeling more empathetically involved with it. It just dissipates more when you realize, oh, it's not that a big of a deal because it's actually their chance and that's you know just yes. having also that perspective for sensitivity can be quite uh, helpful and relieving from this responsibility to always have to pick up on what's going on it's it's so important to recognize how to detach i was taught like the hollow bone you know, through um, a massage therapist. When you're going through massage school, they teach you how to be a hollow bone because you're touching individuals. You're a lot of times those individuals who are in that field that are touching other people are empaths. So they're feeling where things need to move right in someone else's body in their energetic field. But they, the massage therapist needs to not attach. Right. And so the work becomes, especially for empathic healers, which are profoundly gifted people who kind of know those areas where to go in someone else when they're feeling pain. And that's what they're there for to help relieve it. How do they not take it home? Right. Or attach themselves to the images that come through of the pain. It's all about detachment. This is not mine. This is someone else's. And if you're there as a healer, it's also that second level, higher plane awareness of I'm there to help relieve it. I'm there to help move it through, but then I disengage from it. So that's why the best healers go through um, opening where they open up, you know, to what's going on with someone else, but then they close it down. They close the empathic channel down so that they can go live their life, go to the grocery store. And, but it's essential, right? It's essential to have that dis connection or that detachment 
yeah. from, you know, from your work, or, you know, that's essential for counselors who are dealing with people who are in psychological pain to disconnect from that and detach. So that's why I think a lot of sensitives do turn to practices, whether they have a religious aspect to it or not, but they turn to practices that are about compassion with detachment, right? And, and being able to see spiritually, okay, I'm here because I've I've got this ability, but then this is this own person journey to travel their own pain process. And so things become a lot less painful when you elevate your consciousness to that level as an empath. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And then detaching from it. And so that just takes work, you know, to be able to attach what's me, what's not, what's my role, and to recognize yourself and not blend with it. Because that's a lot of times the confusion and the pain that comes in for empaths is they're not detaching from those situations. They're hooked in energetically. That's the draining part where they get burned that's, out, where they just feel completely confused about themselves. And yes, absolutely. So is there anything that you would say for a novice in the field of sensitivity, someone who just says, wow, I think I am sensitive, but I have no idea what to do besides reading your book, doing the quiz and contacting you? Is there any practical tool that you would just recommend for them just to get more connected and maybe also more connected with themselves? This is going to sound really simple and it's also going to sound really selfish, but self care every day is the key to bliss for a sensitive finding those routines that are so important for taking that moment or minute or even an hour if you can do it to give yourself what you need, what you really need. A lot of times as sensitives, we go through life and we push off or we neglect the warning symptoms coming in or the warning signs like you're burning out or you're spending too much time watching TV for people who are visually very sensitive. And so it's about detecting what you need in your self-care and applying that right away. And that is the key is to do self-care, whatever that might be, the long Epsom bath or lighting a candle and doing some prayer work. Um, those, those are the things that sensitives need every day to maintain their own balance. And it's really important use to use your sensitivity to know what feels good, which I think, you know, Absolutely. a lot of sensitives really feel like, oh, yeah, that feels naturally good. And then someone says, what? What are you doing on one hour in Epsom salt bath? I cannot imagine that feels good. But if it feels good to you, it's exactly what you need. So thank you so much for encouraging all of us to take care of ourselves, especially before the holidays, because a lot of sensitive people are struggling during the holidays with family dynamics, with over responsibility and so on. So yes, self care is key during this time as well. Yes, the sleep is I find one of the most important things when you're when you're overextending the emotions are running, the thoughts are running, if you can get um, adequate sleep, that will help immediately to feel more restful to feel more relaxed to feel like you're able to concentrate more and deal with the emotional things that are going to come up those torrents or currents, because the sleep really does help us get the healing the adequate healing response that we need. It gives our chance, our central nervous system, a chance to have that downtime to heal. So if everything else is kind of in disarray, if you can just keep a set sleep schedule, you'll make it through just fine the holidays. 
So just and try it to certainly get helps the subconscious to release a lot of the garbage that you may have just yes. picked up and is not yours to carry around. So let your dreams just do the work and and, and they will. They will. I went, this is a funny, this is a funny antidote. I was doing a lot of work. It was really delving into the expressive personality. And I was doing a lot of work. It, it was called psychodrama. And so you go and you do all this emotional work and you act out certain characters. And I went home and I had this massive dream, multiple layers. And I came back to the group and I shared it with everybody. And the group facilitator looked at everybody and was like, wouldn't that be nice if we could all just do that work in our dreams, you know, and, and come back and be healed, you know, in the next, you know, workshop. And I was like, what an interesting perspective. But if you give that deep sleep time, those those different levels of sleep will allow that inner psychic stuff to come yeah. up and be resolved without we literally in your sleep. You just have to get it. You have to get the adequate amount that you need, which is different for everyone. And trust your dreams and don't get too confused or overwhelmed by them. Sometimes we're like, oh, my God, that must mean really something horrible. But often those dreams are just really beautiful healers in themselves. Now, who was the facilitator of your psychodrama? Uh, her name is Kaya Cade, and she is a she was the TEF facilitator, but she was taught by um, one of the national teachers down in California and her name, her last name was, uh, was Canon, I think, C-A-N-O-N. Mm. She's passed away now, but she wrote a book about her style of teaching. And um, she was actually the person that I dreamed of oh, in wow. the psychodrama drama dream where she was talking to me that, that national teacher telling me she's kind of scolding me saying what do you what do you want to be your whole life this is what you want to do you know and it was kind of like the cranky grandma saying get to work you know and so um kaya thought it was really funny because here i was dreaming of her own teacher um kind of balancing you know my intrapsychic nightlife and dealing with those things and those images but yeah sensitive people have the you know, have those capacities to do that in their dreams because they're sensitive. So yeah, let the dream, let the dream tell you what you need. Let it let go of all that emotional stuff. So I, I love psychodrama. I think it's an incredible art form. I think expressives are made for that kind of work. And, and so go towards the artistic things as well for your healing. Mm. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to paint, dance, those are soul for pursuits that we can also do for our soul that help to salve, salve for the soul. Well, thank you so much. This is all such important information and so helpful. So again, where can people find you and where can they find the book? Inspired Potentials is my website. The book is Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive. It's in multiple countries. Look for your local, you know, look for your local store. I'm sure they can get it because it's distributed throughout the world. But um, you can also get it like on King Kindle if you're, okay. you know, if you can read it that way. That's uh, instant. Um, and then once again, just if you're curious, take the test on the website. And I look at all those individually. I score them all individually and I get back to you very personally. So if people also have questions, I'm always available for questions. You can always ask questions. What a great service. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I wish Thanks you for happy having holidays me. and have you a too. wonderful trip. And I just am also mesmerized by your snow, which seems to even get stronger <laughs> as we talk. <laughs> it is. It is. It's coming down. It's coming down a lot right now. I'll try to take a gif of it. I've been exploring like how to use the camera to show the snow falling, but 
So far, I've been unsuccessful. We'll see. I'll try to do another one for you, and I'll send it to you if I can figure it out. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, thanks again, and take good Thank care. You. Goodbye. Thank you.